Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. Hey, friends, welcome to another Wednesday night. I don't know about you, but aren't you blessed? I'm so blessed. I, when I think about his goodness, I'm telling you, all that he's done for me, I just uh, everything that pertains to life and godliness has been given to us through Christ Jesus. But we have to do something to keep ourselves in the flow of what God wants for us in this day and this hour. Uh, last couple of weeks, uh, I've been talking about being on fire. You know, it's very important to be stirred up and be on fire. And uh, there's a passage over in, in Revelation chapter 2. And the, Jesus is speaking here through the, uh, the prophet uh, John. And he says, um, let me read a couple of these. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not have not become weary. But here's what here's what we want to know. We need to know this because I think it's a reflection of the church, many of the church today, churches today. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you. Man, you don't want Jesus to have anything against us, do, do you? That you have left your first love. You know, I thought about that. Uh, this year, Sandy and I have been, well, just we just celebrated our 50th anniversary. And it's amazing how quickly, you know, when you're going with somebody, you're dating somebody, and first get married, it's so exciting, and you, you know, and you, and you love. But, you know, when you're committed, you, you, we should love each other more now than ever before because we've been through things and we've lived a life that's been, you know, uh, been a good life. Amen. But even if you haven't, our love for Christ should be number one, should be the first thing in our mind. And uh, I see today, uh, I read uh, some time ago, the Barner Report talks about uh, how, how churches have declined, church attendance has declined. And uh, this was a, talks about, George Barner talks about his research, tells about 30% of the U.S. population are born-again Christians. That means they've accepted Christ as their personal Savior. About 30% represent a significant drop from nearly half of the adult population, meaning the same criteria just two decades ago. This was in 2017. It's updated. I looked it up, but I didn't get all the information I wanted. But this is what it's telling you today. Here are some of the findings. Three out of every four born-again adults... 76 believe that the church, the Bible is the inherent word of God. Shouldn't we all believe that? If you're born again, should, we should recognize this as the word of God. Seven out of 10, that's 70%, contend that the Bible was totally accurate in all of the life, life uh, principles it teaches. There again, shouldn't that be 100%? 46% read the Bible at least once a week. That's not a very good percentage either. 77% believe that all people are basically good. This, of course, is non-biblical, as we know. It goes on to say 67% argue that having faith is more important than the faith you embrace. 
Now, that's totally non-biblical. There's only one way. Jesus is the way. The Bible, you know, Peter and John says, there's only one name under heaven whereby men might, men or women might be saved, and that's through Jesus Christ. Uh, 80% agree that God is actively involved in people's lives today. 30% believe the Holy Spirit is not a living being, but is simply a symbol of God's presence or purity. Well, it's, these are things that we find in the church. And I find it sometimes we, we, when the church gets lukewarm, when they're not on fire anymore, it means that we're not growing. We're not putting out things. And over in last couple of weeks, I talked about Jesus said this in, uh, in Revelation 3, verse 15. I know your works, that you're neither hot, cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. See, he, we can't be lukewarm. We can't be complacent and, and uh, uh, in, a, in an attitude of, well, I've arrived or, or, or just comfortable. Sometimes it's, it, we need to, we need to um, how do we want to stir ourselves to out of that comfort, uh, complacency attitude so we can get on fire for God. Don't you want to run your race to the end? I like what Paul said. Paul said, I've, I've run my race, I've finished my course, and I've kept the faith. How many of you want to keep the faith till Jesus comes or we go to meet him first? Amen. We don't want to be part-time Christians. We don't want to be, it should be the first things in our, in our foremost in our mind. So today I want to talk to you about revival fire. How much, how, how many of you know we need revival? We're, listen, Ephesians chapter six, you ought to know this. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against powers on uh, evil powers from on high. We're wrestling against the powers of darkness. If you can't tell we're wrestling the powers of darkness, just look around at our society today. It's 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 lost its way. But the psalmist in Psalm 85 verse 6 says this, "Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you?" Well, listen, we have to stir ourselves, get revived so we can rejoice. Rejoicing is so good. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It's so important that we rejoice. But as a church, are we in a slumbering stage? Are we in an attitude of, eh, let's just survive? Survival will always be the, the, uh, the detriment to revival. We're just barely getting by. Let's just get by rather than having... We are, the, we are the way, the truth, and the life lives in us, and we have it for this lost, dying world. Amen? And as long as we're trying to survive, we will lose our perspective to revive. Amen? Amen. So, Charles Finney, Finney I go to the second page. That's not where I want to go yet. Revival is for the church, not for sinners. How many of you know, oh, which revival? It has to first come through the church. It has to first come through you and I. If, if you get on fire for God, then you can spread it because out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Not just old dry bones, it'll be living water. And revival is a restoration or revitalization. Impossible to restore something that has not been lost or never existed. But if we know God, we've accepted Christ, we go to church, but we, God wants us to say, come on church, be on fire, get on fire. Get the fires of revival begin to burn. Get hot again. Get hot. Don't be lukewarm. And if you're cold, 
<laughs> one, one thing about being cold, you get in the fire, you'll get hot. You know, when you first put something on a stove and you turn the heat up, and after a while it's boiling and it's hot. But if you turn that heat off, it isn't very long that that water or whatever you have on there will cool down. And it's, eh, how many of you like to drink uh, lukewarm drinks or, or things? Most people don't. They either want it cold or they want it hot. In reality, the church is revived in, in uh, order to reach out to the world. Revival precedes outreach. If, you're, if we're not having a revival in the church, there's a good chance that we're not reaching out to the world. Revival occurs and is needed and when a generation recognizes its impotence, sin, and apathy and realizes that it is God's time to do something about it. Apathy. What is apathy? That's a lack of interest. How I many know we can get caught up in apathy? We can lose interest in what God is doing in the earth today. And we can get cynical. We can lose our enthusiasm. We can get uh, lose our concern for the lost. I'm telling you, I'm talking to myself because we have to keep that foremost in our heart. Why were we born again? Not just to go to heaven, but we can testify and be a witness of God's goodness and see others come into the kingdom. That's the, that's the part that's more important. Yeah, he wants us prosperous, be in health, all those things, but he also wants us to preach the gospel because it's just his desire that all men, and that means women too, all people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's when he tells us, Paul told Timothy to pray for leaders and pray for those in authority, pray for kings. He didn't say if they're all born again. He said, no, it's his desire that all would come to know him. Amen? Amen. Revive means to recover from loss or death. Revive. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. You were revived. Amen? to recall from a state of apathy and lethargy, to recall to obedience, forgotten uh, things that God has told you of God's, uh, you know, that's in his heart. Obedience is better than what? Sacrifice. Why go to church? Yeah, I've said this many times. I'll keep saying it. The enemy goes to church too. So we got to recognize to rejuvenate or revitalize, to restore to an awareness of God's truth and power. That's what he wants the church to be today. He wants us to be filled with the truth, but he also wants us to be filled with the power. It's not just enough to go, uh, you've heard me say this, you've been around me very long or know me very well. Well, I just wasn't getting fed. I just wasn't getting fed. I, it just, it's like, it, it makes you want to just kind of throw up, doesn't it? Because we have a Bible that we can read. We can hear all kinds of messages from qualified godly men and women preaching the gospel today. Our church is, on, you know, preaching the gospel. Don't tell me you're not. What are you doing with what you got? Are you become gluttonous? Have you become overweight with, uh, with so much word and all you're saying is, give me another one, give me another one. I want to hear something else. What are you done with what God has, has told you at one time? Are you, are you obedient to do what he's instructed you to do? Or are you just looking for something else all the time? It's kind of like, it's kind of like in the natural, uh, if you go to movies or, you know, oh, let me see another movie. Let me see another something else. I mean, I, we do that with TV, don't we? We watch something and right away we want to click over to something else. Well, we need to get in the Word of God and get, get so filled with it that it flows out of us, out of us for somebody else. Amen? When this takes place in the world, is affected by the, 
by the revelation of a uh, revitalized Christ when we get the truth and the power working together. Amen? Amen. Now, Charles Finney said, you remember the great uh, revivalist Charles Finney? I love Finney. <laughs> he, he preached the gospel and once said, the fact is Christians are more to be blamed for not being revived than, than uh, sinners are for not being converted. We have what we need to be revived. Will you, will you not revive us again, O Lord? Uh, what Paul tell, uh, told Timothy when he was being intimidated, and I'm sure at that time was, was feeling pretty low because he wasn't stirred up, he wasn't on fire. Paul said, stir up the gift that's in you. Fan into flame that gift that's in you by the laying on of hands. See, because he hasn't given us a what? A spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Now, if you want to get in fear, watch the news on a regular basis and what's happening in our world and read the news and, go, and then go, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. But if you want to know the truth, get in his word and it'll, it'll, it'll help eradicate fear in your life. Amen? Amen. The church has a responsibility to recognize the times and understand what we've been called to each generation to carry the message of revival. The message of the gospel. Amen. That's what revives us. Amen. Revival by its nature takes place in, a t in, in time of moral uh, darkness and natural discouragement. Moral darkness. You know, Paul said over in, in Ephesians chapter 6, I just turned to that real quick before I go on with this message, but I want you to see this. He says in Ephesians chapter 6 uh, that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. I mean, you know, as much as I don't like some of the politicians other than what they're doing, they're not, they're not what's controlling what's going on. Here's what's controlling. He said, therefore, in, verse, uh, uh, in chapter 6, verse, let me find it here, on verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the what? The wiles of the devil. Wiles meaning the, uh, the, the deceit and the... And, uh, uh, the deception that goes on in our world today. Amen? But it goes on to say, for we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. The rulers of the darkness of this age. It's darkness. There, people are being perpetrated by demonic forces of darkness. And who are, who are we? We are children of the light. We are people of the light. Amen? And we have an answer. But if we never say anything, if we never stir ourselves up to say anything, guess what? Darkness just, just keeps coming in, doesn't it? But it's, well, you get a little candle in a dark room and it dispels the darkness. We're a candle of the Lord. Amen? Over in Second Chronicles 15, uh, verse 2 through 4, it says the sons, uh, I'll read, th this is part of it. The sons of Issachar discerned the times and seasons and knew what Israel should do. That was First Chronicles 12, 32. Jacob re uh, realized his sin and repented. How many of you know that's the good news? Repentance is good news. Amen. Over in Genesis 35, 1 through 5. And as a result, the tribe was restored. In Second Chronicles 15, we see this principle in the life of King Asa as he responded to the words of the prophet. Now, this is the scripture. Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. 
The Lord is with you when you are with him. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> he, he, we're free moral agents. If we want to be with him, he said, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. That's what James said. I'll draw near to you. In other words, he'll come near you. But he gives you the option. He gives us the option. Amen. If you seek him, you will be found by him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. That's, ooh, that's, that is so dangerous, my friends. Don't forsake the Lord. Make him first place. Renew your love for him. Amen. It goes on to say, For a long time Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord. Isn't this time with the church at large turns to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them? Now, in the notes it says, Notice, God's people had been for a long time without the Lord. But the prophet said, The Lord is with you when you are with him. Asa said to the people, and the people repented. They destroyed the idolatry of their day. Do we all have idols? I say we do. We make idols out of so many things, don't we? They repaired the altar of the Lord, and in verse 9, we read that when they saw, when they saw that the Lord was with Asa, the people followed him. God restored his favor to his people. The people had suddenly realized that God's glorious, glorious presence was gone from their midst. And so they responded by flowing into God's new season through repentance. Wow, is that heavy or what? Now, I turned too many pages here. Uh, sometimes it's difficult to recognize we need revival, isn't it? This calls for us to draw near. It calls for us to draw into him. Uh, times for revival when God's people begin to acknowledge that sin lethargy, leanness, and compromise have slipped into their lives, so they must, they must repent. Sin is missing the mark, isn't it? And we don't want to miss the mark. Repentance is a primary key to revival, for without it, uh, prayer is impossible. Sin prohibits God from ever hearing our petition. It blocks our, our, our communication with him. Repentance is the call in the hour to all who are tired of mediocrity and desire real power. It is time for a great move of God for the church is to be on what? On fire. I believe it is. I believe it is. Matthew 5, 6 says this. Those that hunger, that has a lot to do with fire too, doesn't it? And thirst for righteousness shall be filled. We have to get hungry again for the things of God. Put it first. Do you remember what, even if you haven't been born again or accepted Christ, do that today. Do that after this message tonight. Call upon the name of the Lord. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on his name. Amen. But if you know that for people that have accepted Christ and, and been born again, don't let that slip away from you. Recall the time that you were on fire, that you, you, you were so so much showed, showed so much gratitude of what he has done for you. Begin to give him praise and thanksgiving for that. Hunger is defined to have an appetite, to crave, to demand, to yield, uh, yearn, to be famished, or to be starved for. The hunger is an appetite for God that becomes a driving force. Amen. 
Aren't you glad that God wants us on fire? He doesn't want us uh, just barely getting along. Psalm 84, 2 says, My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You ever cry out for God? You know, in Psalm 107, they wandered away from God, but every time when they cried unto the Lord, he rescued them. I mean, you know, he'll rescue us. He'll stir us up. I, you know, there again, what I said earlier, when I think about his goodness, what he's done for me, what has he done for you? He saved you. He's given you a, 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 a ticket to heaven, but he's also saved you for a life here on this earth that's pleasing unto him to do the, the will of God here on the earth. Amen? Amen. Hunger is the greatest driving force on the face of the earth. Desperate people will walk miles for something to eat. Some will resort to other things, to other things. See, you, you heard about, I've said this before, and revivals in, in, in Africa and all these places where these people walk, some of these people walk for hundreds of miles to get to a service. And you see these big crowd of people. And in that crowd, they stand for hours on end in the hot sun. And then the evangelist gets up and preaches and people are saved and great, great miracles take place. Why? These people were hungry, hungry. And most of them didn't have much. If you get so, we're so blessed in this nation, even the, listen, we're so blessed that even the poor people have stuff. You know what I'm saying? So we know we're, but true hunger for God will cause a desire for revival. True hunger for God causes them to uh, divinely starve for the lost to be saved. Man, are you hungry for the people that are, that are lost to get saved? The sick to be healed and the oppressed to be set free. They long for the joy of the Lord. That should be our desire. That should be what we want in this life. I'm telling you, get on fire. Jesus said, I wish that you were either cold or hot. But don't be lukewarm. Don't be a lukewarm Christian. Oh, it's all about me. It's just as long as I'm saved. No, don't you want your relatives saved, your loved ones saved, your friends saved, people that even your enemies, the Bible talks about love your enemies and pray for those that despitefully use you. Hey, we were all lost at one time, all lost. And we all need a savior. Everybody that's ever lived needs a savior. Now, everybody won't go to heaven because God gives us a free moral will. Amen? But we can be. We can be a witness unto him. Man, I think, I think of... Um, uh, the the people that that we call generals in the face sometimes people like John G Lake and Wigglesworth and Lester Summerall and, and Seymour and and uh, Evan Roberts and and others who were hungry for God's best. What's that mean? They were and they were willing to give everything they had to see the gospel preached, to see people healed, to see people saved and set free. Don't we want that today? I I. I've ventured to say that most of you do. So we all have something to do. We've all been called. Amen. Pastor Scott preached the message on Sunday, and I would, I would uh, advise you to go back and look at that. If you, it talked about commands, about callings, and about, uh, uh, oh, what was the other thing? It was talking about uh, gifts. And so we all have those things. We've all been called. We've all been gifted. We all have uh, uh, things that we've been commanded to do. One of those things is right there in, in Mark 16. 
go into all the world. That's us, each one of us. Well, I don't have to do, yeah, we all do. We're all gonna be held accountable for those things. We have opportunity, don't let them pass you by. Stir yourself up, get on fire, and let the church, <laughs> you know, what was it, uh, who was it? Somebody said, uh, uh, want to be lit on fire and let people come to see him burn. You know, that's what we ought to have, that attitude. God, let people see the goodness of God in me. And in order to do that, you know, uh, we had somebody up in the, my office earlier today, and, and uh, we were talking about long about this same thing. But what stirs you up is when you start talking about how good God is and what he's done for us, and, and what Jesus paid that dear, dear price, and how he sent us the Holy Spirit. And oh, I'm telling you, you get to do that, you know what you're doing? You're stirring the fires of revival in yourself, in yourself. Then you wanna be pleasing in his sight. You wanna have the fear of the Lord, which is high respect and a regard, and awesome regard for him. But, but you wanna be able to, to, to stir yourself to where, Man, it's just so good to know you, Lord. So good to know you. And then you'll be about the Father's business. You'll be about his business. You'll, you'll be passionate. That's what a lot of the fire means. You'll be passionate. You know, you've been around somebody that's passionate about some things, about sports or whatever it might be. Well, I like those things too, but you need to more, be more passionate about the things of God because he's the one. He's the one that has saved us, delivered us, set us free so we can be a blessing unto other people as he has blessed us. Amen. Do you agree with that? Well, let's pray tonight. Now, I'll continue with this next week because I got some more to talk about there. Father, we thank you. I pray that the church would be on fire. Your church, the ones called by your name, would get on fire for the kingdom of God, that we might see it grow the church grow that people might be saved and delivered and set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for everyone in the sound of my voice on this, in this video. I pray tonight that it, it would stir them, stir as it stirs me when I talk about it, to get, get going with God, not be complacent, not, be, not just be comfortable sitting back doing nothing, but to be on fire, because that's what we're living for. <laughs> Everybody we read about in that New Testament uh, and after the book of day of Pentecost, we're on fire for you. May we be like the first church. Amen. We're still in that church. It's still that. But the, that first group of people were on fire. Amen. Amen. May we be like that. May we see revival's fire burn in the church in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being with me. I'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, Make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.